0: the Winkley. I am your host, managing editor of WrestlingInc.com, Nick Housman. Joined here as I am just about every Wednesday by our good friend Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkly.
1: Good to be back, Nicholas.
0: Yes, we are here. We got a lot to get to here. A lot of news here in the last 24 hours. Uh, but after we talk uh, the news here, uh, we have some special, we get two interviews for you here today. Uh, one, the first interview you're going to hear right after the news is with Impact Wrestling's newest full-time producer D'Lo Brown. I really had a lot of fun. I'd never got the chance to chat with D'Lo Brown before. What a cool guy. We go through the day-to-day of what an Impact Wrestling producer does, his thoughts on the product. We even go back in time a little bit because if you remember Justin, D'Lo Brown was there during the Hogan Bischoff era where he was a member of Aces and Eights. Do you remember that?
1: That is correct. Of course I remember that. D'Lo Brown. I You can't say the name D'Lo Brown without me thinking about having one of the Attitude Era CDs that had all the soundtrack, all the entrance themes. Sure. You're looking at the real deal now. Woo! I'm sure. going to kick your sorry ass out on the street. Your ass is dead meat. Victory is sweet. Here's a receipt. Bring it on. What you gonna do about it? Bring it on. Is that what you got? I okay. can go on and on. Okay. Well, I'm not.
0: Uh, I really enjoyed that, uh, but it had nothing to do with the question I had for you, which was, Do you remember D'Lo Brown and Aces and Eights? Do you remember D'Lo Brown and Aces and Eights? Vaguely. Okay. Well, uh, we're gonna talk about Aces and Eights, and you know, with Bischoff coming into power here, it seems like next week, right, over on SmackDown, uh, we got a chance to go back with D'Lo and revisit. Some of the creative decisions made during that timeline. So I think you guys are. What I'm saying is, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this D'Lo Brown interview. And after the D'Lo Brown interview, we are going to present uh, the first installment of what I'm calling the "Get to Know a Promoter" series here on the Winkley, where every so often I'm going to welcome on a, uh, a an independent promoter, a booker, somebody running their own independent or bigger wrestling company. Uh, today on the show, our first guest in this installment will be Capital Wrestling's co-founder, executive producer, Matthew Ryan. Uh, are you familiar with Capital Wrestling, Justin?
1: Uh, I, I know of them. Uh, I can't say that I'm an aficionado of them.
0: Okay, well, this is going to be a good chance for you to get familiar with Capital Wrestling, all of you out there, and to hear the struggles uh, of an independent promoter trying to get TV distribution, working with Twitch. Try, uh, they're on Impact Plus right now, so you're going to get to hear all about what it's like to be an independent pr- uh, promoter right now, uh, at a high level, working with all those people, you guys are going to love it as well. D-Lo, R, ER, great time for interviews. But here, let's get to it here. News you can use, news that leave a bruise. Uh, talk about leaving bruises. I got punched in the face with some awesome work by Kevin Owens last night on SmackDown. Started the show off hot, cut what, you know, you could be described as a, a pipe bomb promo on Shane McMahon to kick off SmackDown. Uh, he started off the promo saying, a while ago, I watched the entire McMahon family come out to this ring and say, hey... From now on, we're going to listen to the fans and give the audience what they want. But the only thing that's happened since is that Shane McMahon has gotten more power, more authority, and more TV time than anyone. And trust me when I say that nobody watching ever wanted that. He said it was an insult to everyone in the back that Shane calls himself the best in the world. He said that, Shane, you take up TV time for Apollo Crews, Buddy Murphy, Ali, Liv Morgan, Asuka, AOP, Kari Sane, Shane came out eventually ejected him from the building. There was a little back and forth there. Of course, Kevin Owens would show up at the end of the night, laid out Shane with a stunner. I mean, Smackdown, last week, I thought Raw was a better show than SmackDown. This week, almost entirely because of the work of Kevin Owens, I thought SmackDown hit a home run this week.
1: Yeah, this was a great start to SmackDown. Um it, you know, it, it, it was it was it was energetic, it was chaotic, um, which, you know, that's always a good recipe for, you know, for for us see that that's that that's what the opening of Raw had last week that we praised with Braun and and Blashley, and you know, that the energetic, chaotic kind of, you know, like what's gonna happen the next second. Uh, it is interesting though, and I, I don't wanna I don't wanna poo-poo the segment. I mean again it was it was a good segment. It is interesting though, since December, which that's when WWE started like publicly acknowledging that they understand that there is some issue with their viewership you know that's when you know when the McMahon's came on camera and said they're taking back their own show whatever that means there's been this has been a reoccurring theme of they find a baby face whether it's Seth Rollins or whether it's Kevin Owens and the babyface just gets to basically like read off Twitter <laughs> they basically get to you know get to just voice the social media you know complaints and and, and it grabs our attention but then like nothing of it nothing comes of it you know what I mean it, it's it's I don't know I mean it's again it was exciting. It was fun, but it is an interesting trend that WWE likes to like let the babyfaces speak for the speak off of Twitter and the fans' complaints, and then usually they will take a heel and let the heel embody all of those complaints. You know, in this case, you know it's Shane McMahon. It's, in the past, it's been Baron Corbin, so sure. uh it, you know, it's just a unique trend I want to point out there. Yeah,
0: yeah no, and I, I think that's it's fair to point out, but at the same time, this feels different to me, right? Like it does feel like Kevin Owens is somebody they're rallying around. They gave him this chance to go out there. I mean, obviously, uh, tons of shades of Stone Cold Steve Austin here. A little bit of CM Punk mixed in. I hope they keep at it. I mean, Kevin Owens in this role, he works. The fans like him in this role. I think this is the best foil Shane McMahon has been given yet. Uh, honestly, you know, I don't. I mean, with Roman, you know, it was kind of whatever. The Miz was kind of, you know, whatever. I, I I, have the feeling Owens and, and McMahon could have some really good chemistry here. This is the kind of stuff that pro wrestling fans like. I hope they follow it up and, and it isn't just kind of, you know, we tried it out this week. We'll see if we'll follow up on it, on it next week. But I, I don't get that vibe. I think they're going to stick with this one.
1: I agree. Kevin Owens is great in this role and I agree. He, he probably is some of you know, the best foil for Shane McMahon and then that there is a lot of potential there uh, with this dynamic and with uh, the baby face and Kevin Owens versus the heel Shane. Uh, so yeah. I mean, I hope they follow up on again. I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm putting negative on the segment. I thought the segment was really exciting. That's just something I just, I thought was interesting that the, that the WB has been doing since acknowledging that there has uh, been, uh, you know, un- unhappiness in the, among the masses.
0: Well, and this to me, and I, I've tried to I've tried to figure out, and I've not successfully figured out who was directly responsible for this segment on SmackDown, but it felt like a Paul Heyman thing to me. Did it not to you?
1: Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, again, I mean, but I, I think yeah, it does. But you know, I mean, uh, anything that's kind of like chaotic, we kind of you know, it, it kind of feels. ECW ish, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um So yeah, no, and I mean, obviously Hayman was there, as we saw him sure. make a cameo on screen. So yeah, I mean, who, you know, who knows if 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 um I don't know if Bischoff was there or not in person. I don't know if you know that or not, but yeah. I mean, so I mean, who knows? It, Paul very much could have been involved in that.
0: Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very. Next week is, I guess, when it's supposed to go down. Bischoff will, will be there and and giving his creative input. Uh, but I didn't hear anything about him being backstage at SmackDown. Of course, yeah, like we know Heyman was there, so. I just wonder, is Paul Heyman starting to put his fingerprints on both brands? You know, very next week will be fascinating. I'm very very much looking forward to finding out how everything goes next week and the stories we get coming out of backstage. Um, uh, We have an update on Kofi Kingston, PWInsider.com, reporting that Kofi is indeed dealing with back injuries. That's why he did not compete on SmackDown. Uh, He should be healed and ready to go for his match against Samoa Joe at Extreme Rules. Um, And, you know, on that note, you know, with Kofi out here not being able to compete, maybe that's what opened the door here for Kevin Owens to come out and be able to do something like this, you know, with the top guy not being able to to go out there and take as much TV time up uh, doing doing something
1: physical. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I'll have my eye on Sunday to see. I mean, Kofi's still having his match with Joe, so I'll have my eye on to see how he performs, if they, you know, avoid any certain, you know, if, I mean, it's, if it's his back. I mean, that's a hard thing to avoid in a, in a uh, you know, uh, and taking bumps, I'll, I'll be curious to see how Sunday goes.
0: Now, do you think that Joe has a chance here?
1: Um, l- he has a chance. I give him a little bit more of a chance, strictly on the fact if if uh, the fact that we know that Kofi is is injured because again, it's a back. So if if if, if they believe there's any doubt, then maybe maybe they maybe they pull an, you know they call an audible. But I I'm still saying, you know, as, as I make my wrestlerumble.com dot com predictions. <laughs> Um, where you can win up to five hundred bucks predicting. Uh, I would say I, I give I give Kofi seventy five percent. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so too. And for me, you know, uh, the Kofi Joe feud hasn't really lit me up. The feud I still really want is Kofi Bray Wyatt. I just I really like their chemistry together. We haven't seen Bray yet. And on that note, the Observer reporting that Bray Wyatt is expected to make his return debut any day now. We had a couple more teases this past week. We saw Huskis the Pig behind Ricochet on Raw. We saw Ramblin' Rabbit last night on SmackDown behind Bailey. So. I'm um, Let's talk about Bray for a second here. A little weird to me they did that, like, uh, final vignette, everything came together, and then the, the, we haven't really gotten a definitive follow-up other than these little puppets popping up in the background. Are you, are you worried at all that they're losing momentum here with Bray Wyatt?
1: No, I'm not. Actually, I'm, I'm completely the opposite. Um, I, I, so, first off, I, you know, they they filmed all those Firefly Funhouse segments. Uh, you know, it wasn't like they were doing them each week. You know, they, they filmed a lot of them and had them all in the can. They did a kind of a, you know, a... a a binge filming, you know. Sure. Um, so they, they filmed, I think it was eight. So they filmed eight, and so you know, they filmed what they filmed, meaning if, okay, if they weren't ready for Bray to, you know, if, if whenever that eighth one aired, or however many weeks ago it was now, it, you know, if they didn't have the, the spot for Bray to pop up meaningfully, then okay, there's no more Firefly Funhouse segment, so you know, so that's that's just what it is. So I, so I don't account for, like, like, all of a sudden, like, they're backing off or anything like that. I actually think that this little bit of a waiting game is, is helping it. I kind of feel, I mean, literally, if we, if, and please, people listening to this, please tweet, tweet at Nick, tweet at me. The, the, Bray's appearance is probably whatever. I mean, other than seeing what happens when AEW is going week to week against WWE, Bray's appearance is probably the next most anticipated thing, or maybe even more so. Like everybody's waiting and seeing what, what, when is he going to pop up? And I actually think this little bit of, you know, okay, he's going dark now. We haven't seen him. We're just seeing these little puppets pop up. I think it's helping things, you know. I think it's that it's, it's that anticipation is helping things. So, no, I'm I'm not worried at all.
0: Yeah. See, and for me, I think that Kofi rolls through Joe here at Extreme Rules, and I don't know if we see Bray pop up at Extreme Rules for a confrontation, or we see it on the Tuesday after. But for me, that's that's the guy I would like to. That's the role I would like to see him step up in. I don't know what you what you think that would be the best way to use Bray right now, but. You know, I think him and him and Kofi be great. Seth is kind of floating around right now with the Corbin stuff. I think that's going to roll over into SummerSlam. So I see him, I see Seth in that pattern over there. the The future less uh, less clear for Kofi Kingston.
1: I don't want to see Bray involved in a world title unless he's going to win it definitively and quickly. You know, if he pops up and he wins a world title quickly, then that. I mean, granted, I know he had been a world champion prior, um, a very kind of forgettable reign. Um, but you know, that's, that's always been the knock, right. You know, Bray Wyatt, great, great character, great entrance, great music, great promo, but it never meant much. You know, he never, you know, never really won the big one, uh, even, you know, so like if he comes back in and this repackaged, you know, Bray Wyatt fiend, whatever, and he wins a world title, that immediately lets all the fans know, wow, they're serious this time with him. Yeah. But if he's not going to do that, I don't want to see him in the world title picture. Uh, you know, if that's not going to be what happens right away.
0: Well, and you know, I, and that's the thing is, you know, you brought it up. You know, outside of AEW, the buzziest thing right now in pro wrestling is this Bray Wyatt debut. And if that's the case, I absolutely put him on top with a top player. You know, I mean, I guess you could send him over to work with the Miz. You could send him over. He could be in the IC title picture. Be Finn Balor's next opponent, pull that demon out, you know, demon versus the fiend. I, I guess you could go that route, but it just, I, I mean, capitalize. Well, you've got that momentum there, lightning in a bottle. This guy should be on top right now. That's what the people want to see. And uh, that's, that's why I push for the Kofi Kingston route.
1: You know, I mean, I, I, I've said, I said this last night in the on the post SmackDown podcast with uh, Glenn and Matt. Um, you know, I, I do think I do see Kofi actually getting like a six month title reign. I do see him holding his title until the fall. And then Brock basically just stealing it from him via money in the bank. Uh, and I'm sticking with that. So for Bray White, you know, you know what would work if, if and we, you and I have debated this before, so I won't I won't carry this on too much. We debated before whether or not you know is Bray going to be a heel? Is going to be a face? You know, people are kind of very intrigued by him and kind of treating him like a baby face. And in the speculation, like they're loving the at least at least for the most part, they're loving the uh, the mystery of all this if he's going to be if he's going to be this this kind of dark baby face if he's going to be like the undertaker of the 90s where he's dark but he's technically fighting you know the bad guys um how, how about how about as soon as we get through extreme rules what's next for baron corbin who better if you want to make sure this this Bray Wyatt thing takes off who better of a, of a person to put him against than a guy who's who's probably the most disliked heel yeah. uh, <laughs> in the company
0: i i i I'm, I'm not hating on that i just think i think corbin and lacey take the titles extreme rules and i see the chase going under oh yeah I see the chase oh, going boy. into Summerslam, being Becky and, and Seth looking to get their titles back. I mean, why? Why would you? Why would you do this stipulation unless you're going to pay it
1: off? Well, no, that's that's a fair point. I mean, I, I said last night, kind of jokingly, to get a rise out of Matt Morgan and Glenn, that imagine the heat that Baron Corbin would get if he gets the Seth's World Title because Lacey Evans made a pinfall like, you know, he gets a world title because of, of, of you know, something he didn't even do. So I agree with you there. I just, I guess I can't, I guess I just haven't really accepted that they would actually do that. But, uh, but it's, I mean, it's that would a, certainly get us buzzing. It is an
0: extreme rules mixed tag match. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. If it's extreme rules, the traditional rules of a mixed tag match go out the windows window. So this is a bit more of an intergender match. I mean, we have seen Becky and Seth or Becky more. So Seth doesn't really, Lady hands, but Becky certainly, you know, made Mike Bennett type out, got into it with uh Corbin, uh no, not Corbin, with Andrade, uh, on Raw. I mean, I I see I see a situation here where Baron Corbin could pin Becky and take the titles.
1: And you know what would be great about that that happens, and then the viewership from Monday neck for from Monday is 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 if it doesn't have a, uh, a severe drop, how great would that be that the throwback at the Baron Corbin haters that you know, Baron Corbin has a title and they still tuned in or maybe even more of them tuned in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Cause again, I always have the thing of work, you know, Baron Corbin, he's a great heel. He's a quality heel. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't believe in the whole go away heat thing. I believe that he's a quality heel and, and people just don't want to admit the fact that, that they that the that he's doing his job. So that would be something. That would that would, that would I mean to, to to start what is it going to be officially the Paul Heyman Eric Bischoff era. That's going to start next Monday and Tuesday. Uh, what a heat magnet to kick it off.
0: I think people tune in to watch Seth. I mean, like again, it's like you got heels on top that people hate. You want to see how Seth and Becky are going to react to get their titles back. Far more compelling to me than just blowing this off. Seth and Becky win. Where do you go with it, right? Like
1: right, so. So Baron, so Baron Corbin starts Monday as your champion, and then Bray Wyatt pops up not long after, and there's your Summerslam match.
0: Well, but that's why I say with Kofi because you said six month title run for Kofi there. If he lost it at Summerslam, that'd be that'd be the six months right there. You know, he'd have rolled through Joe. He'd have you know had a couple. He'd have had a couple good programs, and this is his his final big monster here. And you know maybe you can continue it down the road there or something like that. But I see Bray Kofi. That's my Summerslam match, and then I see. Seth trying to get his belt back from Corbin and I see Becky trying to get her belt back from Lacey all right so we'll see
1: long-term long-term booking we'll uh, we'll, we'll phone easy and, uh, and and, and Paul e once we're done here
0: sure 100 uh, also uh, also <laughs> also at extreme rules we got some new matches here for this Sunday night the revival is going to defend the raw tag team titles against the Usos uh it should be a good match this screams kickoff show to me um i don't see the revival losing the tag titles here right now what what do you think
1: yeah i don't think they lose the titles i was kind of back and forth on this last night thinking about it, but I, I don't think that the it seems like they're trying to like stay it seems like they're trying to stay in some goodwill with the revival so i, I think that they uh, they win
0: yeah i think so too and uh we got a so we got a surprise last night on smackdown as well we now know who the man who knocks is the man who knocks is cesaro he will be facing alistair black Um, I, I didn't really know how I felt about this when I read it on paper, but when I saw it play out on SmackDown, I see two guys here that are hungry, two guys here that want to go out and put on some great action. I think that this will be worthwhile. I'm looking forward to Cesaro Aleister Black.
1: This is going to be hard hitting and entertaining. Uh, Aleister Black is kind of known from some of his peers to be a little on the stiff side. Um... And Cesaro, of course, can hang with anybody, and it's just as you know, as they say, pound for pound, probably the strongest guy there. So this is going to be really fun. It's kind of the, the the weird thing for me here is that I, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't want to see either guy lose. You know, like Aleister Black. You know, they they, they since they were kind of like re, you know, forgetting about the short little tag run they had when he got randomly called up. You know, they're putting an investment behind him in these promos, or at least we think so. So he shouldn't lose out the gate. But they're actually putting a little bit of momentum behind Cesaro uh, now that he's back to being a single star. Uh, so I, you know, I kind of want to see maybe maybe this is a some kind of a some kind of a draw or something that can just protect these two guys uh, and we get a little bit more out of them. But uh, I, I'm, I'm 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 really looking forward to this match. I think bell to bell this could be uh, really entertaining. And for the fact that for the fact that this isn't Bray Wyatt, you know, this isn't somebody returning or some big surprise who was the person knocking on the door. I'm glad they just went ahead and just said who it's going to be and revealed it prior to the pay per view because had they waited had they, had they made us wait till Sunday of Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then it was somebody who we're seeing week weekly already, and Cesaro. I think it would have been like a letdown, or it would have been met with some some bad reaction. So I'm glad they just went ahead and and just told us it's Cesaro, and and you know, now we can just go into Sunday knowing that.
0: I predict Cesaro over Dirty. I think that Cesaro cheats to win here, really pisses off Alister Black, and that's how we jumpstart something between these two. I could I could watch these guys have a, a two out, best out of three uh, type situation here.
1: Well, they can go to Monday Night Raw and do that. Two out of three falls.
0: You know what? There you go. Perfect. We just booked it. Uh, (laughs) WWE is going to run MSG on September 9th and 10th for Raw and SmackDown tapings. Interesting, of course, because Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling did their big MSG show. Apparently got access to the building because MSG didn't think WWE was utilizing their space as much here now that they're at the Barclays Center. So this will be their first TV tapings at uh, MSG. I think it's like six years or something like that. Um, these two days, 9th and 10th, actually uh, fall just a couple days before AAA will be running the uh, Madison Square Garden for the first time on September 15th, and New Japan Pro Wrestling on the New York area notes, uh, they'll be at the Hammerstein Ballroom on September 28th. So uh, the game is on here in New York. This is the backyard at WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling moving out of the West Coast, trying it out with this East Coast run, AAA also moving into that New York market. I guess I shouldn't be too surprised here to see wwe run an msg again and uh i kind of like that this is uh i, I kind of like the turf war going on here with all these promotions
1: well it's definitely a turf war it's definitely WWE reacting wanting to remind everybody that msg was you know what was a, was a house that they helped uh build i mean look wb the reason WWE hasn't ran msg and, and for tv for tv mind you, they've, they've done house shows and network specials but not tv it's because the cost what the union costs and, and, and the number i was once told the number and it's pretty it's pretty crazy the number that they have to pay to do tv there compared to what it is at barclays is significant so that's why they stopped running uh, at msg so the fact that they're going back to msg after having you know done after having you know basically just boycotted them for for these years the fact they're going back and it's it's in the same obviously time frame and year where you know we've seen other promotions jump into msg and 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 you know presumably pissed wb off to, by doing that uh this is definitely a turf war for yeah, sure
0: and more nostalgia right like fans oh they're, they're running msg again you know more more things to create buzz here stuff you haven't seen in a while um this is dude i'm just like i'm so interested to see what october looks like you know this is right on the doorstep september night this is a week after all out so, I, you know, this is really when things are going to start to heat up with everybody, I think. So, uh, looking forward to it. Uh, commercialappeal.com uh, had an update here about Gary the Goat Garbutt, who, of course, uh, was the, the janitor backstage on Monday Night Raw. Uh, we had a little switcheroo there where Cedric Alexander put on the hood and came out and competed in the main event. Well, Gary uh, was played by former Memphis Express team president and former Memphis Tiger defensive back Kosha Irby. The uh, Memphis Express was a professional team in the uh, Alliance of American Football, which just folded after one season. The Memphis Tigers are the teams that represent the uh, University of Memphis. Irby worked for WWE for seven years as their regional director of live events in the Memphis area. He left WWE to work for the Memphis Express last year. There's no word yet if it will lead to more WWE work for Irby, but uh, I think people like this guy. I, I wouldn't be upset to see more Gary the Goat.
1: <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, it was a... It was it was a funny segment I'll give you that and I and I was I I, I was glad that it got uncovered who he was because I was just just as I read the story of who he was it was like right around the time of my day I was thinking you know I need to like text some people and find out this this could this 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 this, this wasn't just some you know actor they hired locally in jersey this has to be somebody of of whether it was an indie worker or whether he was you know some staffer backstage who got thrown into a janitor costume so uh, yeah, it was cool to cool to find out the, the the backstory on who this person is uh
0: and uh another wwe item here becky lynch and glows alice and Bree are going to grace the cover of the latest edition of espn magazine's blockbuster issue uh later this week of course uh wwe also has their own category here at the sb so you know, just more love between ESPN and, and and WWE. So good for them.
1: Yeah, it was kind. Of, it was kind of wild to me to think that in like the you know in the time ESPN the magazine has been around since the '90s, I guess it is uh, that 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 you know Stone Cold, Rock, John Cena, Triple H. Uh, you know, no, none of them. Becky Lynch is the first WWE superstar to be on the cover. I thought that was pretty amazing.
0: Well, and I think it speaks to the popularity of Becky Lynch right now. You know, I mean, she's obviously. Way over, I don't really know that, again, you know, I brought it up a couple times, but, you know, her and Seth together, she outshines him. And I think think it takes away a little bit from what she's been doing to put her in this kind of romantic relationship. So another reason for me to uh, have uh, Corbin and Lacey go over here, take the titles, because then each of them have an individual quest to get back their belts and hopefully can not be focused in this, you know, relationship drama uh, forever.
1: Yeah. You know, again, it's kind of, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think, there, I think that this whole acknowledging constantly referring to him as boyfriend and girlfriend and like every social media post. I mean, I, there's definitely, I don't know if it's helping the way that thinks it's helping. And then I, I, you know, I, I just wonder, like, you what, think about the pressure that this actually puts on their actual real personal relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're making shirts, you know, the man's man and they're, and they're putting all this investment behind them being a couple, like, Kind of like really handcuffs to make sure like they they, they got to stick it out and be a couple whether they want to be a couple or not. Not saying that they're ha- not saying they don't want to be, but like you know everybody's been in relationships where sometimes you know it's 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 just time to move on. And I always think it's weird you know the, the pressure that WWE puts on these couples now that WWE has been acknowledging uh, on-screen relationships for the last couple of years. I mean hell, John Cena proposes to Nikki Bella in the middle of a ring at WrestleMania, and then that doesn't end up happening. And you know look at all the look at all the paparazzi those two had to deal with when they actually did break up.
0: Yeah, uh, watch Raw. Uh, with Liz again, my girlfriend, on Monday night, and uh, she said that she said something similar. She's like, I think that these two are about to learn a very hard lesson about making your relationship so public like this. So it's kind of doom and gloom on her part. But you're right. Historically, it's not really worked out too well whenever WWE has pushed couples on TV. So, I mean, look at Maria and Mike. Their marriage is in shambles.
1: yeah i mean yeah i mean you know you know the the only the only one that's really worked out was the one that they did by accident and it was just storyline at first and stephanie triple h i mean that worked out glowingly but otherwise it's been you know i don't know
0: i love i i i love what i love what mike and marie are doing right now because it's like so throwback who do who do you think's the dad do you think it's him or do you think it's somebody else
1: oh it's somebody else for sure
0: gotta be wow so weird.
1: If if Paul Heyman's writing it, there's no op. There's, I mean, Mike being the father is not even an option. It's not even on the table. It's somebody You know, they might be throwing darts on the wall against the index cards with people's names on it, but it's not Mike Ellis. Man,
0: what if it was like Alistair Black, right? And then like Maria sits down at the chair and she's like, Alistair, I knocked. I have some news for you.
1: <laughs> what if it was Bray? What if it was Bray Wyatt? Yowie, wowie. Oh man, uh, that's how you that Bray Br- 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 Bray Wyatt's married to Jojo, but the theme. He's on the loose. <laughs>
0: right. This this all makes tons of sense. Uh, Batista revealed on Chris Jericho's podcast that he wanted his WrestleMania match with Triple H to be a Hell in a Cell match. He said, you know, we were two old guys. We hadn't wrestled in a while. We needed a couple bells and whistles. He also credited Triple H with the nose ring spot. Said he took the the table bump very badly That that made him hurt. So just a couple notes coming out of there. The WrestleMania about. I liked it better this way. I, 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 hell in a cell at WrestleMania. First of all, hard to watch those matches because you're like looking through steel. Uh, I thought these. I thought their match was great. Are not great, but I thought it was very good. I, I think that the cell was unneeded.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you on the fact that you don't need this. The cell would have been random. You know what I mean? It's like Batista's all of a sudden back, and then like we're gonna throw him in a cell. You know, a cell yeah. usually, you know, like 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 steel cages traditionally in wrestling. You know, usually that means after some you know long-winded consecutive feud. I mean this was them reigniting something that you know, history from years ago. So uh yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. It, it didn't, you know, but I see Batista's point in asking that. I can see him saying, look, we need some bells and whistles to to kind of, you know, masquerade the fact that we're not, you know, we're not going we might not be able to do bell to bell what we could have done 10 years ago. So I mean, I get him wanting to, you know, doctor it up, but uh but I I agree with with not doing hell in a cell. And then again, I think I think as Vince's reasoning as Batista said, they have a hell in a cell pay view. so uh, as long as they had that pay per view, doing the Hell in a Cell gimmick anywhere else kind of was a little bit, you know, redundant.
0: Well, Batista was on Jericho's podcast. We have some more Chris Jericho news here. Jericho is going to be given a live microphone at Fight for the Fallen this Saturday night. AEW's latest offering. Jericho has tweeted the following regarding the announcements, a live mic and a pissed off hashtag Chris Jericho at hashtag Fight for the Fallen. Let's just say you won't believe what I'm gonna say. Predictions, Justin. What do you think? What do you think the pipe bomb is here?
1: I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. The, the only thing I can think is maybe like, I mean, again, take some take some shots at 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 WWE. I mean, I don't know what in what form that is. I don't know if it's on the form of them. You know, if he, if he makes some snide comment of them, you know, having to, you know, bring in Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff. Or, I don't know. I, I, I really don't.
0: I think it's, I think you're I think you're getting close to that. Uh, I think it will be about Heyman and Bischoff, because obviously, you know, he worked for ECW and you know Bischoff fired him. Right. So I, I think we're going to get some of that. I think he'll go after Adam Page, obviously, a bit who he's going to face it all out for the AEW championship. But, yeah, I'm expecting like a pipe bomb on WWE. I think that that's largely what this is going to be. Hmm. Sorry, drink my coffee. Uh, here's the A.W. Uh, news item that I know you really wanted to talk about, Justin. Uh, <laughs> AE- AEW's Joey Janela and Enzo... Engaged in a in what Janella referred to as the shittiest fistfight in history at a Blink 182 concert this past weekend. Uh, the irony of did irony. Quit,
1: is, it's Blink 182, not Blink 182. What did
0: you? <laughs> did you not? do you not get that joke? Did you not watch Fighter Fest? The uh, the buy-in.
1: I didn't catch. Well, no, I didn't see the full. I didn't see it from start to finish. So what did I miss?
0: Well, that's a joke. I I wondered if you were going to catch my joke or not, Kenny was backstage and he's being told the bands are all bailing and they and he's like what bands and the producers like blink and he's like blink blink who's blink and then the producer looks at his notepad and he goes blink uh 182
1: uh, that's right because they and they were the, they were the band that was booked for for the firefight the the, the whole Yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. I I thought, thank God, I thought you were really calling them that on. on, uh, Honestly, I was about to say, wait a minute.
0: No, it was a joke. I wrote it into the script, too, just so I'd make sure I got the joke right. And now that I've had to explain it, obviously, it's a very good joke. (laughs) <laughs> um so 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 the irony of ironies here that blink 182 the band that was referenced at fighter fest mark Hopp is by the way one of the lead singers for blink 182 he uh he tweeted uh, a photo of the cheese sandwich from Firefest fest and was like kenny i'm sorry we got our catering that's why we bailed um so blink 182 they're very much into the AEW culture now they're part of the uh the, the canon, right? So using that band as a backdrop here for, for what transpired between Joey and Enzo is irony in it's a, itself or coincidence. I guess maybe the better word. Uh, but Janela claims that he went over to Enzo and he tried to introduce himself. Him and Enzo, I guess, had had some words on social media. And Joey tried to, to clear the air. I guess Enzo slapped his hand down, put up his fist and was like, you know, let's fight. Uh, he uh, And so Enzo then uh, uh, had his friend film the exchange which Janela then acknowledged, yes, this was filmed. And now we know it because just before we went on the air today, Enzo dropped the footage showing him kind of coming at Joey and Joey's like not feeling this. And he's like backing off. Cause he not want to fight this guy on camera. Um, what's your take on this situation?
1: Well, yeah, I, I was interested in this because I was, I was just getting ready to go to sleep. And like, I did like, I, and I mistakenly did like one more look on the internet. And I just happened to see like these tweets, like coming out last, like late last night. So like, it kept me up for like another, like, I don't know how long I was just so intrigued by this. Um, well, first, I mean, the video is only like 20 seconds. So obviously it's, we don't see the full thing. We don't see, we don't see the you know initiation of it. Um, I mean, from what we saw that 20 seconds, it doesn't help Joey Daniel's bad boy persona to me, just that in that 20 seconds of what we saw. Um, but I, I'm going to be honest with you just because I guess maybe, I, maybe I've just been working around wrestling So long. We all start to think this way. Um, Go ahead and run. You know what? (laughs) Even if it's just a one-off. I mean, I I don't know. Like if this if this continues to keep buzz. I mean, what's the harm in like AEW booking Enzo for (laughs) even again? Even if it's just one event,
0: (laughs) the Enzo effect basically killed Ring of Honor's draw this year. Period. (laughs) Um, I would not bring Enzo anywhere near my product. (laughs) I think that. Enzo took if, this opportunity. What if, they quarant-
1: what if they quarantine him and put him in his own locker room away from everybody else?
0: I don't put Enzo anywhere near my product. I think that Enzo took advantage of this moment here and tried to create some buzz for himself, which I guess he did. But like I was telling you, uh, you know, chatting earlier, if I'm Joey Janela and this guy is trying to make his name off of me in this moment by fighting me after I have just signed my first ever big money contract... I don't want to fight this guy on camera and give him more attention or risk whatever lawsuits could come along with that or my spot in this brand new company. So I, if I'm Joey, I drop this thing and I just move on from this guy. And I think, I think after stuff like this, more and more wrestlers are just going to be done with this guy. You're just giving him free walk over to him, try to shake his hand and he turned it into some kind of, you know, gimmick or whatever. So I don't, I don't,
1: I don't disagree with that. Like, I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if Joey was thinking that. But it, it it is to his credit not to, you know, get involved in a fistfight on camera and in a public place and get arrested. I'm sure that would not do. I'm, I'm sure that's not what you know. The, the cons in AEW right yeah. now they have a lot of good positive PR, um, so that you know that would certainly be a a, a, a pothole in, in in their you know as we're waiting to launch their TV. So I don't know if Joey was thinking that, but it, yes, it is good that we don't see Joey getting in a fight on camera. But like to my point, just. Just seeing that 20 seconds and, and watching this unfold, it doesn't – I mean, it really doesn't do any favors for either of them, honestly. But, it, 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 but there's something about it that just – to me, this is wildly comical and wildly – I'm just voyeuristically interested in, in this whole exchange between these two uh, characters. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, we'll see here. I, I think jo- – I mean, look, Joey put on that hellacious unsanctioned match with Moxley at, at Fighter Fest. It was very well-received. He's so beloved right now. I don't think this guy needs to get into the scrums with Enzo, who obviously has a taint to him that a lot of fans do not like. So I don't think it does anything for him to continue to engage with this guy. And I I honestly, I think you're going to see less and less wrestlers engaging with Enzo and giving him this attention. You know, had it not been for this thing, which again, Enzo seems to have instigated and told his buddy to film, uh, there would be no Enzo news, right? And there hasn't been for some time. So I think this guy is, I think this guy is, a hot uh hot pot that nobody's
1: gonna touch. Be- so you rank Enzo just a few steps uh above Virgil.
0: A Virgil Virgil I'd watch fight. I prefer Virgil versus Janela. I think Janela would prefer Virgil versus Janela honestly. So <laughs> Uh, Wrestling Observer reporting that Rhino appeared under a mask at Slammiversary because he still has one week left in his non-compete clause with WWE. So I guess it's different if you're under a hood. Uh, He did tell Chris Van Vliet earlier this year that his WWE contract is officially up on July 17th. Um, you know, Good for Rhino. I, I, again, it's like you're going to hear in the D'Lo interview I just released here just a second. I'm, I asked him, I'm like, oh, how cool is it to have Rhino back at Impact? And he's like... I just saw a guy in a mask. So
1: yeah, I mean they have to say it, and I and I went I and I yeah. It's seven. The seventeenth is the same day that I've uh, heard from 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 Rhino for booking, and uh, but yeah, I guess yeah. I mean if 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 you don't actually see him, and as long as nobody, I mean I mean you know they have to give strict instructions to the commentators. You cannot say Rhino. You cannot say it. I guess as long as you don't tell the audience that's who it is, and if they actually actually do not see him, I guess. That's the loophole, right? He's not hes not violating his contract with WWE. I guess. I, mean, I guess, you know.
0: Oh, 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 Terry. What a carny. I love this. Um, Booker T. <laughs> Booker T uh, claimed on. So we got a clarification. We were talking about this story yesterday. Booker T follow, draw, uh, withdrawing from StarCast 3. Here is his explanation. So he claimed on his podcast that he never intended to do StarCast 3. He said Conrad texted him about doing an autograph signing in Chicago on the 31st. And he said, yeah, sure. But he didn't ever explicitly be told it was going to be for Starcast 3. It wasn't until he started getting advertised that Brad Gilmore said, Booker, are you really doing Starcast 3? I thought you said you weren't going to do that. Then Booker had to tweet out, no, I'm not attending. I didn't know that's what I was booked for. He said, WWE had no influence on his decision to do this. This is just him trying to be good to his home company in WWE and and not be taking this booking. So there's not going to be any replacement for him. Uh, a little bit of a mess here, um, mm, just weird.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's
1: like, but so so Booker, you get asked by Conrad to do an autograph signing in Chicago, and, and you don't. I mean, like you know, Booker has like his own like podcast and everything. So like, I mean, he's like very much aware, like and, you know, and he talks about like. You know stories that we talk about. He talks about stories that are on the internet. Like he, you know, he's not a guy that's like out of touch. He's very, you know, he keeps in touch with what's going on in the wrestling world. So obviously, I'm sure he knew that the that all out was coming and that I was in Chicago. Like hmm. so, j- I don't know if I, that's just weird to me. I don't want to like I don't want to say that he's lying, but it's that that explanation just well, caught me well, I will off say guard that, that he would get asked to do an autograph signing by and, and know this and know that the, the the place and time and it's by Conrad, but not know that it was or not. You know, I mean, I don't know about not the star Starcast.
0: I'll say this. So like my I wrong? I mean, I don't know. Is well, this... I'll say this. I'll say the booker T does a lot of things. He runs his own promotion, right? He's doing pre-shows. He doesn't. He can't. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to process every day. I'm sure with all the high level pro wrestling coming at him. He saw a date. He saw a town. He's not even intending on doing Starcast three here. So who knows? I, I will say this. Uh, I've, uh, I've become pretty good friends with Charles Wright, the godfather, after I beat him in a game of dominoes here in Chicago. Uh, here we, we go. We will play more. Uh, but I, I hit him up and I said, you know, Charles, you're going to be in Chicago for StarCast, StarCast 3, so we can play some dominoes. He goes, when is it? And I told him the dates. And he's like, oh, I think I'm booked. But he had no idea. He didn't know when it was. He just knew okay. it was going to be in Chicago. So, you know, again, you know, this was this was just uh, another legend, another Hall of Famer who was just like, oh, I think I know when that may be. Right. So I can understand where the confusion would be with Booker. Um, I don't really fault Conrad here because I think he would have assumed that Booker knew what was going on, um, so just a mess.
1: No, it, it, yeah, if this is the way it happened, I don't fault anybody. And, and if and if that's the and if, and if that truly, I mean, I and I can, I to your point, I can see Booker probably getting a lot of texts and emails and such from, from you know, people that just have his contact, you know, looking to book him for because I know he does like conventions and he does, right. you know, whatever. So, um, I mean, he did. He did. He did. IWC wrestling with us a few years ago, where he did autographs and stuff like that. So, I mean, I can see that if that's if that's the case, and and if that is the case, good by him. And that's that's a good uh, integral move to say, you know what, I'm I'm still getting paid. I'm on a you know a Legends deal or whatever it is with WWE. It probably is not. It's probably best for me not to be at that event because of the situation. And if that's all the case, that is good by him. I just when I read that, I was when I read that explanation, to me, I was just initially like. You know, I don't know. I I just I guess I assumed that he would know more. But to your point, I can see with these guys, they got a lot going on that, uh, you know, the date, you know, everything's just a date in a town. They're not necessarily linking up to what event is what.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I don't know. Booker's in a mood. I feel like these days, like I kind of felt like he was a little bit throwing some heat at Conrad here. Maybe even like saying, you know, this guy wasn't on the level with me about asking what I was trying to do. The other day he was like shooting hard on Bischoff, you know, like
1: What what do you say about Bischoff?
0: oh boy oh boy let me pull up let me pull up my run sheet from yesterday
1: and while you do that i know and booker also took a little shot at Meltzer. he like said because because Meltzer was reporting that booker was like going to actually appear at all out and then now he's not and booker i guess in the same the same explanation said like he doesn't know where the hell Meltzer got that from (laughs) booker is
0: in a mood booker i agree yeah i saw that Meltzer thing yeah he's in a mood right now all right i got the bishop quote you want to hear this I I read this yesterday. So if you listen to the show yesterday, you're going to hear it again. Um, Booker T on Bischoff signing. He is never going to get another chance like this ever in a lifetime. I mean, he slipped on a banana peel to become president of WCW. Then he got this dropped in his hand. (laughs) Paul Heyman made ECW a legitimate company by doing the right things and taking them in the right directions. They gave the fans what they wanted to see. They had it all. This war could be over before it even starts.
1: So basically saying, Eric, you have another billionaire's money, don't screw it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, well
0: that's right, you know, but again, it's like I read that quote, I read the report from Melzer that a lot of people that worked at T A with Bischoff were like, WTF, why did you do this? And then, you know, uh, I see the segment with Owens and I'm like, That seems like a Paul Heyman thing to me on SmackDown. So I'm I'm as fascinated as anybody else to hear how Eric integrates into the writer's room backstage next week because it does seem like there I mean Booker vocally said this, right? He said this out loud. I have to think there are other and Booker was there in TNA when Hogan and Bischoff were in charge, right? So, I wonder how much of what Booker is saying there is being repeated by other people backstage right now and making it more difficult for Eric to integrate.
1: Yeah, I will say this, I do think I do think the strength that Eric will bring will be from maybe a television presentation aspect, you know. We like you know like and I think that might you know, that might be a strength you know, again you know, how 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 many great ideas he has or or, or what have you or get accepted and, and you know creatively you know we'll have to wait and see. but I, I do think he will bring at least maybe a fresh set of eyes to what is otherwise a very repetitive uh, television presentation for how they shoot things and how they you know, you know just the yeah, interest in general how they shoot things.
0: we'll, we'll see uh, and uh, lastly here talk about shoots. We're going to get a shoot fight here. Combates America CEO Campbell McLaren announcing that Tito Ortiz, the Huntington Beach bad boy, is going to face off against Alberto El Patron, a.k.a. Alberto Del Rio, at an upcoming event. Uh, This is a fight. Look, you know, these people know these guys. I think they tune in. Smart smart move here by Combates America.
1: I I actually, (laughs) I would probably watch this. uh, Right? uh, I think I I would, got. I got to meet and work with Tito Ortiz at an MMA event years ago, and I've always been kind of a little fascinated by his persona and character. Um, uh, We don't have enough time for me to go into Del Rio, but I'll just say that I would actually tune in just to see who hits who first and who who wins. (laughs)
0: My guest at this time is a four-time WWE European champion and intercontinental champion. He now works backstage for Impact Wrestling as a producer. It is Lo Brown. Lo, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today.
3: Well, thank you for having me on the show, bro. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, let's let's chat about here about your new gig. Like, what led to you signing with Impact Wrestling in this new role as a, a producer or agent?
3: Well, it, it was, um, you know, it was a long process. You know, um, upper management and I had talked for a little bit of time and it was my way of trying to give back to this next generation of talent. I, you know, wanted to give my insight and experience and, and, and lend it to them with their creativity and we can create, you know, some special matches. So, um, just trying on my way to get back to the industry.
0: Okay. What kind of responsibilities are you handling right now with your new role with impact?
3: Um, helping, helping talent, put their matches together, produce their, ta- their matches and then calling it in the truck for the director. So, um, kind of just an overseer of talents of matches I gotcha you.
0: and you know you're working with this young talent now like you said you wanted to help mold them you know what kind of advice do you find yourself getting asked for or giving most often to this generation
3: a lot of things particularly when to do stuff and and why to do it or how to do it the best way to get the best reaction um, and then they just want to draw my experience of when you did it how did that re- how do people react to you when you were doing it so um, that's literally the advice I'm giving to them and you know, helping them just create matches that hopefully, you know, draw the attention of people. Yeah,
0: and you obviously have a wealth of experience. You know how, how do you uh, how do you feel about the current style of pro wrestling? Like, how different do you feel it is than you know back in the Attitude Era in those days?
3: Well, I mean, it, it, obviously everything evolves and everything's differently. I mean, if you look at any sport like football or baseball, it's nothing like it was twenty years ago, but it's still the same game, and and it's still exciting. Um, it's a little bit different now because hell these guys are so elevated above the mat now like everything's high flying when back in the day you know i, I sound like get off my old get off my lawn old man back sure. in my day sure. um you know back in my day it was more ground and town and there were very few high flyers other than like luchadors what now seems like you know you got guys like michael elgin and, and brian cage elevating it up you know super heavyweights are are are, are flying so that's the big difference
0: Okay. You know, you, you you get up on, like you said, your high horse here, the the back in my day, which I don't mind. I think it's great. You just have <laughs> a perspective, D-Lo. Um, yes. You know, you, you look back at your prime and you look at the talent that's available right now in Impact. Is there anybody you look at and you're like, ugh, I wish I could have had this guy right now when I was going, going in my prime?
3: Oh, I would love to have matches with, like, Cage and Elgin. Uh, I would love that. Like... <laughs> Golly, that would have been so fun. Now, I, I couldn't keep up with him now if you paid me. But I would, I would have loved to back in the day. Uh, to, you know, in my prime, their prime, I think that would have been great.
0: Now, uh, let's get back to your new role here as a producer. Now, you talk about your responsibilities. You know, who are the people you find yourself working most directly with uh, backstage right now at Impact?
3: Um, I've done – I mean, I try to get a, across the locker room. I mean, I've done stuff with everybody from Tessa to Elgin to Cage to – the rascals to you know i've worked with jordan gray so it's it's kind of across the board i don't just find myself just with one set of talent cuz i don't think that's um that's productive or, or or fair to everyone else so i try to get across the board
0: and when when you're getting around the board you know getting trying to get across the board you know in a certain week like in any specific week for impact wrestling like what are your responsibilities throughout the week look like how do you guys put together a show what's the process like that
2: <laughs>
3: Um, during the week, it's, it's pretty much once creative comes down with the idea, um, you know, you kind of get it, you kind of get it in your head, and then you try to just convey what creative is saying to the, you know, creative's trying to create, you convey the talent.
0: Yeah. And by the way, is that your daughter or someone screaming in the back? Yeah, my <laughs> okay.
3: my little one is in the back screaming. That's
0: fine. It adds a, it adds texture to the interview here right now. Um, you know, you, you've been described as a very wrestler friendly producer, that's what I've read about you in this new role. What does it mean to you to be given a label like that? Um,
3: I love the label being wrestler friendly because I never wanted to be that guy to tell you what to do. I wanted to, I always want to have the talent shine brightly and and, and, and have them um, be the one that, that leads the match. I'm the one that just likes to give, I'm the one that likes to give you know, direction, to help lead them. But, you know, what worked for me in my time may not work today. And I never want to shove it down and go, you need to wrestle like this. This is not the way I liked it. And I'm sure. And I see that talent don't like that now. So um, it's a good label to have. I like it. Um, it gives me a great rapport in the locker room. And, it, and it's, it has a lot of the kids eager to want to work with me.
0: Who, who are some of the best agents that you had a chance to work with in, in your time?
3: Oh God. I mean, guys like, um, Arn Anderson, um, guys like Jack Lanza. Um, these are some of the guys who, um, who helped me a lot, a ton, you know, guys like Terry Taylor. Um, those guys helped mold me and, and I've kind of picked apart a little piece of their aging style to kind of create my own.
0: And how much input do you feel like the wrestlers have in their character and the storylines they're doing right now in impact wrestling?
3: I think tons. Um, they're very in tune with who they are and who their character is. And it is just for, you know, go along for the ride for the most part.
0: Yeah. And how do you, uh, how do you handle it when talent, you know, disagrees with you uh, regarding advice or ideas that are being pitched for them right now in impact wrestling?
3: We sometimes just have a discussion about it. Like, you know, we act like adults and have a discussion and we, we walk through pros and cons and, and just see, have, try to help them see the bigger picture and, and, Nine times out of ten usually works.
0: Now, if something goes wrong, though, and you know it doesn't work or click for whatever reason, how much uh, heat comes across on the agent as opposed to the wrestler in those situations?
3: I think we all take equal, equal responsibility on something. If it goes awry or doesn't come up as planned, I'm, I'm just as much involved in the match as they are. So I'll, I'm never that guy who's going to throw somebody under the bus and go, it was their fault. That's just not how it works.
0: Well, this isn't your first rodeo with Impact Wrestling. You've had, I think, two runs with Impact slash TNA before you were coming in this time. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. I I was there before uh, about six years ago in a very similar position and um, then took some time away from the business after I left TNA and then took some time away and then came back now with Impact.
0: Yeah. Now, how does the atmosphere backstage for this run right now, how does that compare to the previous runs you've had with the company?
3: Um, it just seems like everyone is excitable. Um, today, everyone is excitable. They want to go out there and try to on the best show performance. Um, they want to go out there and just show their talent. And not that that's different from before. It's just they're younger and more enthusiastic and wanting to go really make an impression. You know, impact is, is, you know, trying to create, create a niche for itself. And you've got talent who want to be part of that. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, you know, and previously when you work for impact, uh, that was kind of during the, the Hogan Bischoff era, um, what was yeah. going on at that time. You were in aces and eights. If I, if I remember correctly for a while yes, there, sir. Yes. um, how, yes. uh, two questions, I guess, first of all, you know, Bischoff as a creative entity is, is very buzzy at the moment. How do you recall Eric was to work with on a creative level during um, that time?
3: Working with him. It was very, it, Eric had a vision a distinct vision of what he wanted and he conveyed that down the line and and you, you fell in line with his image and, and his uh, creative flow. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be the same way what he's going to do now with, uh, with SmackDown. So um, I find him, you know, he was pleasant to work with. Uh, I had never had any issue with him, but, you know, I, I think he's, he's a very, this is the way I want it done. And I think that's the way he'll handle SmackDown.
0: What did you think of Laces and eights? Did you have fun being a part of that stable? It's one of those kind of controversial, uh, I guess, uh, stories that, that Impact ran for a long
3: time. It was so cool. I mean, it was fun. The whole, you know, Sons of Anarchy riff, the whole, you know, wearing the mask and being these unknown assailants. It was really cool. And then to be revealed as being part of it, um, yeah. I had fun with that. I mean, I had a real good time with that. Very
1: cool.
0: Well, uh, obviously now, a uh, different time here at Impact Wrestling. Uh, you all just put on Slammiversary this past Sunday night. H- how do you think Slammiversary yes. came off?
3: I, I thought it was an amazing show from top to bottom. I mean, it, it just every match got better and better and better, and then capped off with a tremendous main event between Sammy and Tessa, and I could have been more proud of, of the work that um, this, this roster put down.
0: Yeah, well, talk to me a little bit about Sammy and Tessie here. You know, Impact made the call to end the show on their match, not even not even the world title match. You know, why why was that call made?
3: Uh, I just think because there was so much buzz about this match that um, it just needed to be highlighted and put out there. Um, and, you know, I, I believe we took a risk, and I think the risk paid off. Um, it's just highlighting that that match was a very big focal point of, of the story of, of Impact and – where it is and where it's going
0: now that's that's a big statement there now do you think that the direction of more intergender matches is going to be a a big part of, of impact wrestling going forward
3: no i didn't say that oh. i just said that match was a big part of what's going forward so okay um i just think i think story-wise that is a a huge part of of, of impact and what we are
0: okay uh how's it been working with sammy callahan he seems like a really unique
3: personality I've known Sammy for a long time, so it's it's pretty easy to work with Sammy. Um, Sammy is a, a, a seasoned performer who has a distinct vision of what he wants. And once we talk and coordinate and get on the same page, it is just it is magic to work with him.
0: Yeah And, and you what, you know on the other flip, the flip side of the coin here, you know what are your expectations for Tessa Blanchard going forward?
3: Jesus uh, <laughs> Tessa is she's a, she's a natural like like a freaky natural. And I think if on her, you know, she's so young. I think if on her current growth rate, she could be one of the best wrestlers on the planet in not too, not too far near future.
0: Yeah. Well, and it wasn't just Tessa that shined as a a woman on that card. You know, I thought the women put on a hellacious, you know, monsters ball match with Taya coming out, reclaiming her her title. First of all, like, I don't, I feel uncomfortable watching somebody just get like curb stomped into thumbtacks and to watch women go, (laughs) to watch women go in there and do stuff like that. It blew my mind. Like, what do you think of that? The current, you know, women's division and impact and the more violent direction they took at Slammiversary.
3: I, I, I loved it. It was, it was, it was incredible to watch. And to me, the, the women are making a statement that whatever a guy can do, I can do as well. So don't treat me any different. Just let me go out there and perform, be a wrestler and be a talent. And um, I thought our girls in that, that monsters ball match. I was so amazed at some of the things they did. Like I'm, you know, you know, as a, a former wrestler, when you look at some and go, "Wow, I don't know if I could have done that." That's when you know the match was good. When you admit to yourself that in your head you don't know if you could have done that. So those girls went out there and pulled it off. And yeah, I think I think that our, our women's division and I think our roster in general is trying to take a huge step forward. And make their mark. Would
0: you have taken the no arms face of the thumbtack spot?
3: Uh, I can I can honestly say, hell no. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, man. That
0: was, I've seen some crazy things on Impact TV, but that was, uh, I was like, damn, how do, where do you go from here, here. with that
3: one? Uh, yeah, see, about as hardcore hardcore as I get, is shaking my head on the top rope. That's about as hardcore as I get, No, <laughs> No, I would have not done that, and I just I was like, oh, my goodness.
0: Uh, well, you know, your Attitude Era star appears there may be another Attitude Era star back in the mix here at Impact Wrestling. It seemed like Rhino uh, was a part of Slam Reversary there after the match with uh, Elgin and Cage. What do you think Rhino brings to the table right now for a company like Impact Wrestling? <laughs>
3: I don't know. I, look, I don't even. I didn't see Rhino. I just saw some dude wearing a mask. Uh, yeah. I did not see Rhino at all.
0: Okay.
3: Okay. I I, I I was in the production truck when it happened, so I just saw some dude in the mask. So I don't even know if that was Rhino. Okay. Was it Rhino? A
0: lot of speculation. That's Rhino.
3: Uh, oh, okay. Um, you know what? Let me check my sources. Okay. And I'll get my sources to call your sources. Okay. As soon as you. And can... we'll try to. Okay. Okay. We'll try to coordinate this, okay? Because I don't know if that was Rhino.
0: Okay. Well, if you can confirm or, or deny,
3: it? that'd be great. Or, that'd be. Or wonderful. was it? Or was it? Was it Rhino? I don't know. Okay. Uh,
0: well, they're outside of Rhino. You know, RVD, Tommy Dreamer's backstage right now. How do you feel about the influx of of uh, former ECW talent right now in, in Impact Wrestling?
3: I think it's great when you have. I think it's great when you have that kind of um, experience. I think it's great when you have that kind of experience backstage. Um, you're talking years and years and years of, and wealth of knowledge that they're going to pass on to the younger generation it's it's amazing to me yeah
0: you know, and uh you know i mentioned ty valkyrie earlier you know she was successful in that monsters ball match but it sounds like her husband johnny impact uh, may not be with the company anymore i'm not sure exactly what's going on here but if that's the case what do you think of his decision to, to part ways with impact right now
3: you know i'm not sure is it his status i mean i hope it's not the case that he's leaving um if he if he is, I'll miss him. But if he stays, I'll enjoy working with him even more. I'm not, see, I don't work on that talent relations side, so I don't even know that.
0: Yeah. Uh. Well, let me ask you too. While I got you here right now about Impact's tag division, you know, it does sound like LAX wrapped up its Slam anniversary. You know, you now mm-hmm. have the North uh, at the forefront of Impact's tag team scene. You know, what do you make of Impact's current uh, tag team landscape?
3: I mean, I like the landscape of it between the North and the Rascals. I, I think we've got a a solid foundation for tag team division. Um, obviously, you know, we can always add more talent and we'll be looking for that now, you know, but I think Impact's tag division is very strong right now.
0: You know, how does, how do you, uh, how does Impact deal with that when you have talent kind of a revolving doors, it seems, not just for Impact, but other companies as well right now with so many people coming and going?
3: You just have to be on the lookout for talent. That's that's all you can do. <laughs>
0: Uh, now you were uh, a part of the hottest time in pro wrestling, the Attitude Era. You know how much of what's going on right now. I mean, it's not just Impact. There, I feel like there's like six major promotions right now that are all getting a spotlight put on them. How much of this right now feels mm-hmm. like that last generation to you? Does it feel at all like that last that last era that, that
3: became so popular? The, here's the thing: it, very, it feels similar in a lot of ways because there's a buzz about pro wrestling right now, and that's very similar to the Attitude Era, and. I like the landscape of the entire uh, scope of the business right now because you've got, like you said, six different companies all vying for their spot. And what that means to me is more eyes on wrestling and more eyes on wrestling benefits the fans and the boys. So I'm very excited about the landscape and the perspective of where wrestling is going for the next few years.
0: And and I'll wrap it up here by saying, you know, we look at, you know, the next – you know, six years, however long, many years. You know, what are your expectations for Impact's growth in, let's say, the next three years? Where do you think Impact should ideally be in a couple years?
3: Uh, I, I've taken our claim to uh, our, our niche in pro wrestling and, and being one of the, the, the premier companies out there. Um, I like where we're going. I like the possibilities of what is going to be. And I'm looking forward to taking this ride. Awesome.
0: Hey, hey D-Lo, I want to thank you so much for talking to me about your new position uh, everything going on at Impact Wrestling. Is there anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we uh, wrap up the interview today? No,
3: just uh, all fans out there, you can follow me on Twitter, brown 75 and let's take this, uh, this ride into our wrestling together. I'm looking forward to it.
0: My guest at this time is the promoter and owner of Capital Wrestling. He is also the feature of my first ever Get to Know a Promoter series. It is Matthew Ryan. Matt R. thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me here today.
2: Hey, Thank you, Nick, for having me. Glad to be back on. Uh, well, glad to be talking with you again. I think it's the first time you and I have talked uh, on Wrestling Inc. But thank you for having me on, and thank you guys for supporting Capital.
0: Yeah, well, my pleasure. You guys are killing it, Matt. You know, that's the thing is, uh, you know, when, we, when I said I wanted to do this Get to Know a Promoter Series a while back, you are one of the first people that came to mind for me um, because oh, of, of the work you're doing at Capital Wrestling. Now, before we get into what you guys are doing here, your big international live TV taping coming up, uh, when did you become a pro wrestling fan, Matt? What was your earliest pro wrestling memory?
2: Oh, it, it's actually my first memory. It's sitting on my couch with my grandmother at one years old. I want to. It's tracked around that time. Okay. Watching WCW Worldwide on Channel 9 in New York.
0: Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, you are uh, a really smart guy here. You know, tell me about the history of the Capital Wrestling brand. Why did you choose this name
2: and, and to resurrect
0: Capital Wrestling?
2: Well, the name Capital Wrestling came from myself and my co-founder, Marcus Dowling. He's based out of Washington, D.C. I'm based out of New York City. That was the old Northeast Triangle for the, the New York territory, the original territory up here on the East Coast and it was Capital Wrestling. Mm -hmm. So we thought we would pay homage to that and see if we can bring back classic wrestling for the modern fan. And that's kind of ebbed and flowed over the past few years. We're now the new wave of professional wrestling, and that shows a lot in our imagery, our roster, our iconography. But Capital Wrestling just kind of fit.
3: Okay.
0: And what do you think makes Capital unique from other pro-wrestling companies out there right now?
2: Well, we're one of the few independent companies that does weekly television. We produce 30 minutes uh, at least a week uh, for a litany of platforms, including Fight Network UK, the Fight app, Impact Plus, nothing else on, and also our Facebook and YouTube channels. So I think that is a a unique conceit to what we do. Also, our style of production is very cinematic. Zane Decker, who's our director and one of our creative producers, has really curated our style to be unique, uh, opposed to... I think anything else out there on the wrestling landscape, him working with Deranged, who is one of our talents and one of our producers, have really created a great narrative between Special K and The Rising Suns, which features Jimmy Rave and H.C. Loke and Colby Carino. So we've been able to kind of create something a little different in how you view and how you take in your pro wrestling in the modern age. Yeah,
0: you know, and tell me a little bit more. You know, we'll get to some of the in ring uh, (laughs) talent that you have here in a second, but tell me a little bit more about the people you have. Working backstage with you right now at Capital Wrestling because you've assembled quite a quite a group of people uh, with this company.
2: Oh, so most certainly. Uh, we have Dan Bynum and David Zahadi as creative as producers and consultants. David Zahadi obviously worked for Impact. He's done work for MLW. He was the one of the executives in World Wrestling Entertainment during the Attitude Era. If any pay per view package or any major vignette in the late 1990s, early 2000s that was most likely his doing and his work and his notes and his support and championing of what we do has been really, really helpful over the past few months, especially in talking to sponsors, talking to different networks. It's been a huge key for us. Okay. And and like, how important do you think it is to have that high of production quality right now uh, as part of independent pro wrestling? (laughs) I think it's one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, because We're consuming content every hour of every day. You have a phone in your hand that doubles as a computer, that doubles as a a movie player, TV player. So you're dealing with all this content, and you need to make it stand out, not guys you're shooting promos with their phones isn't going to get the job done. You need stark visuals. You need things to draw the viewer in. You need to stop the scroll. You need to do that in social media for anything, especially in pro wrestling, because there's so much content out there. There's so much competition right now at any level, whether it's the regional or national or even the international level, there's so much competition out there that you need to set yourself apart. And the best way to do it is visually, because once you have a style, once you have an identity, a calling card, people will know that and people will be drawn to
0: it. I love the passion. You talk about your product, Matt. It's awesome. Now (laughs) tell me a little bit about here. What's coming up in August capital wrestling live from Nashville.
2: Well, this is uh, something that means a lot to us. Obviously it's our first show. Out of the New York metro area, we've run exclusively in New Jersey for two and a half years. We just ran two shows in Brooklyn that almost killed me. But, (laughs) excuse me, Uh, this show in Nashville on August 11th at the Marathon Music Works means a lot to us as a company because of why we're going to Nashville. We're going there because of Adam Brazil, who was wrongfully convicted of murder over a decade ago, has spent over 12 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. His conviction was overturned. But the the district attorney would refile charges and send Adam back to prison. He was home for over six months. He was home for a significant amount of time. And then they sent him back into jail, and he's been there for a few more years. And there's been some great hearings. There was a hearing this week where a whole bunch of new evidence came to light and a whole bunch of new information came to light. But this show for us, uh, we're working for wrestling with Wrestling for Innocence, a charity started by another wrongfully convicted individual named Anthony Depippo who has been a huge supporter of off-the-capital wrestling, uh, this is to help raise money for Adam's legal fund. So yeah. every dime, nickel, every ticket spent, everything uh, on August 11th goes directly to Adam's legal fund, goes directly to Adam's legal team to help him get out of jail and help him start his life again after some of the most egregious incompetence and police corruption I have seen in my life.
0: It's a, that's a very noble cause. you know. And you have some big names on this uh, show as well. How big was it for you to get the original Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, for this show?
2: Oh, it was, Hall and Nash were on our like we want list for a variety of things for over a year now. And being able to bring them in for this show, uh, Stephanie Sotilli, who is one of our producers, and the reason why Anthony came to us with this, because she's been working in the Innocence community for years as a member of various organizations, she has been directly talking with Holland Nash. And we reached out because Anthony, one of them on the show, he's a huge, and he was like, I want Holland Nash. I want Jack Swagger. We immediately got to work. Uh, Steph was talking with Kevin Nash and told him about Adam's case and seeing what he can do for it. And Kevin texted back, we want to do this. We want to help him. We just don't want to over- We don't just want to raise awareness. We want to help get him out of jail, and that kind of struck a chord with everybody about how, how fucking cool Kevin Nash is. That's
0: that's awesome, dude. Uh, what do you what do you remember of Nash and Hall's WCW run? What did you think <clears throat> of the work they did there in the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars?
2: Oh, I remember the whole thing like that's prime childhood. I had <laughs> over 270 VHS tapes of the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars. Episode the Raw pay-per-views, all of that, and I remember them coming in. I remember just being a WWF kid who was secretly a WCW kid, watching this and was I was intrigued, I was entranced. My mother had an uncomfortable crush on Kevin Nash, so that on top of it all I was just like, all right. I started to hate Kevin Nash a little bit, especially when he was feuding with Goldberg, because I was seven or eight years old and sure. seeing a big strong dude beat the shit out of people was something really interesting and intriguing to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. but. That stuff changed the way we look at pro wrestling. It changed the entire industry. Uh, It was a shockwave just of how you can present pro wrestling, how you can present characters and the levels of reality you can bring back to a sport that was really heavily fictionalized throughout the early 1990s on both sides of the coin. And that ECW, to me, were kind of the linchpins for this reality era that a lot of fellow fans and peers are trying to bring back and trying to generate. Uh, in 2019 but it's not an easy thing to accomplish because you need you need that authenticity and all in brought back
0: yeah you know and real quick just to just to pick your mind since you are a creative person running a pro wrestling company what did you think of wwe's decision to bring in bischoff and Heyman to uh, oversee the creative directions for on smackdown
2: well i see it as the wwe doubling down with their partnerships with fox and nbc you're bringing in two people that have a lot of name value and a lot of recognition to executives now who watched wrestling back in the 1990s. These are people who remember who Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman are. Also Heyman's been front facing on their TV for years working with Brock Lesnar, who's a cornerstone brand, whether fans like it or not in the company. So I think it's a really smart business tactic. And I think that Eric and Heyman have something left in the tank. Uh, of course, obviously you would love to see a young creative get a chance to do something like that. But Paul Heyman's been kind of shepherding and Sherpa young creative minds at all levels of the industry since ECW. Yeah. So he might be able to bring the next generation of booker, writer, producer to that level. And it's more of a facilitator. Like you need, when you're a team that's kind of on the outside, looks like it's struggling. You kind of need to bring in a coach that has a little bit of not only the respect of the boys, but the respect of the industry at large and if you're a network like Fox, and you hear the guy that beat Vince McMahon for 83 weeks is coming in to help the WWE in a huge transition period, you really can't argue against it. Um,
0: back to Capital here, you are you've done a great job in getting distribution for your product. Can you talk a bit more? You mentioned it at the, the beginning a little bit, but can you talk a bit about the distribution that you have right now for Capital Wrestling?
2: <laughs> well, it is. It, it has been a strange trip trying to get all the different markets we're in right now. Uh, right now, we're across about five to six different platforms across VOD and uh, cable television. We're on in the Fight Network. Our time slot is changing. We're going to an annu- give an announcement about that this week, hopefully, uh, about when we, our new time slot will be on Thursdays, right after Impact and Smash Wrestling. So, those are great lead ins, and working with the guys over at the Fight Network UK has been so easy. Just our relationship with them. Uh, It started out with just our YouTube channel, our Facebook channel, partnering with Andrew Zarian's uh, guys from Queens Network. But then we started reaching out more, starting to develop. Uh, We worked a lot on Twitch Uh, in 2018. We got over 1.3 million viewers on Twitch last year. And then they pivoted away from wrestling and gone a little more back into gaming outside of IRL content. And uh, it's just been reaching out, trying to get to people. We have a great relationship with Mike Weber and Fight TV. We're doing our first ever iPay-per-view on July 11th at 8 p.m. on Fight for only 10 bucks. It's our whole show, our first ever uncensored live iPay-per-view from Skank Fest at the Brooklyn Bazaar in New York City. And if you're a comedy fan, you know what Skank Fest is and you know what happened there the day before we taped our iPay-per-view. So we're coming out of that into... Uh, our first ever pay per view and we've been able to get great relationships with Fight, uh, Impact Plus, uh, the Nothing Else On platform, which reaches into China, into Asia, which is a huge boom for us because we view ourselves as a global product. We base everything out of New Jersey, but I feel like we truly are a global product with who we work with and the talent we've been able to develop. It's a unique, diverse roster of human beings, and we try to bring that in every market we can.
0: What kind of questions are our television executives asking you when you come to them with a, a new wrestling product like Capital?
2: Well, they, they, a lot of people don't know about modern wrestling, so you try to just explain what it is. It, I, I explain it to people as it's a 30-minute sitcom that happens to have wrestling in it. Now, it's not like a show where there's 4% wrestling and 85% talking. I'd say it's more like 75, 25, 60, 40 wrestling to talking, but... The way I format the television, because I'm the format writer, but I have two great, amazing creative partners in Ash Samuels, Marcus Dowling, we've got Zach Amico, Harry Tajani, and Stephanie Sotili, like our creative teams, diverse, amazing, and a unique brand of wrestling people and creative people. Uh, We write it like a sitcom. There's a cold open every single week. Uh, There's A blocks, B blocks, and C blocks. And I just say, it's it's the same as every other half-hour TV show. They're just in the middle of it. To do, two groups of people are fighting.
0: You, uh, you and Capital at Wrestling introduced me to uh, one of my favorite new wrestlers, and uh, that is Sonny Kiss. Uh, how do you feel about the success Sonny's seeing right now in his signing with AEW?
2: Uh, it makes me uh, really happy. When I heard about it, I was like, oh, oh no. We lost our top guy, and then <laughs> we lost now. I was like, oh, God. Two things we were trying to build are gone. But it's the wrestling business, and you deal with it. You alternate. Like, I found out Sonny and Nyla got signed while I was walking to a restaurant trying to talk, like, the initial conversation for our national show. And I'm writing, like, the financial district. And I I was like, oh, oh, shit, they signed Sonny and Nyla. And I, I couldn't be happier. I honestly couldn't be happier Two people who deserve the opportunity, who deserve to be on the international stage. You could see that in Sonny's Sunny, performances in and out of the ring, just who he is as a person. And Nyla Rose is one of the funniest, most entertaining and engaging people I've ever dealt with in or out of pro wrestling. And the more you see of that in her, especially on her social media, some of the stuff we were able to do with her in Capital, she is she's a star. She's a TV star waiting to happen, and it's the same thing for Sonny, and I couldn't be happier for them. How hard is it for you as an indie
0: promoter or, or I shouldn't say indie promoter because I know you look at yourself as a global brand. How hard is it for you as a promoter knowing, knowing top talent like that can be gone at any given moment?
2: Well, it, it it makes writing a little difficult. It makes booking and producing shows and getting dates with buildings a little hard. But that adds to the challenge. Uh, you're dealing with it in every single way and you've got to roll with the punches and we've been able to develop a deep roster of people inside and outside the ring to help carry a lot of the weight and carry a lot of the water. You know, certain people are going to be there every time. Uh, We recently brought in Homicide who's made a commitment to us to work with us and help build our brand. And when Homicide says, I want to work with you because I believe in you, you believe him. Like you take that and you run with it, especially as a kid who grew up watching Ring of Honor and members of our team were there when they helped build the New York wrestling scene in the early 2000s. Like, that means a lot to us, and we're able to use that and run with it and build guys like Matt McIntosh or bring in guys like Jimmy Rave, who has had, like, career resurgences working with us. So you roll with the punches as best you can, and you just try to find the next person that can step up and take the punch.
0: Well, and you talk about finding people that can step up and take the punch. I know you guys have been working with uh, the uh, Black and Brave Academy, which is uh, run by Seth Rollins. Uh, and Merrick Brave. Um, what do you uh, What's it been like working with Seth in Black and Brave Academy?
2: Oh, it was really easy to work with them. Uh, Ronnie Burton, who is one of our wrestlers and also Tubbles is our lighting supervisor, uh, came to us early this year, like right around New Year's Eve, and he said, hey, Seth and Merrick, they want to start doing seminars. They're going to be in town in April. Do you think we could co-brand something? And it was like, bing, bang, boom. Took less than a day to figure out. The seminar got sold out. Steph and Marek were great to every single person they dealt with. Uh, as uh, in terms of the seminar and dealing with us, it was actually it was really cool, really great to work with. They've trained some really good students. I can't speak highly enough of Xander Killen and uh, Eddie Machete, who have been who've been with Capital since nearly the beginning of the company. And on top of that, of Ronnie Burton, who's a dynamic performer, a great human being, and one hell of a guitarist.
0: Um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think differentiates this generation of pro wrestlers and promoters from the generation before?
2: Uh, I think it has. Uh, we're the second or third generation after the death of the territory, so our generation is the second or third generation to have to deal with the fact that wrestling's not our everyday job. Like right now, I'm standing outside of my day job. Drinking what's left of the soda I got from Chipotle, sure. knowing I've got to go back in my office for two hours. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, but it's—I think it's understanding that uh, trying to coincide, like reconcile the fact that this thing is your passion. It's more—it's treated more like an art form. It's treated more like a passion than it is a job. So I think that's why certain people are able to be more unique, take more chances, things are less uniform. But it, I think it also hinders the ability for people to keep them going and doing things and creating a bigger and deeper wrestling economy. Because right now independent wrestling is bigger than it's ever been. But the, you know, shows still run Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We ran a Monday show this past Monday because we knew we, because it fit within the schedule of everything and we took a risk and it paid off. Uh, All right. It's more about dealing with some of the systemic stuff. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I'll wrap it up here. I have so I kind of want to do this inside the actor studio here. I have like five questions I want to ask you to wrap this up real quick. Short answers. Is that okay? That's more than fine. All right. Are you ready to go inside the the pro wrestling promoter studio? <laughs> Hit me, Matt. What is your favorite pro wrestling word or phrase? Gimmick, because you can use it for anything. What is your least favorite pro wrestling word or phrase? Gimmick because you can use it for everything. What's your biggest pro wrestler promoter pet peeve?
2: Uh, uh, the way you get contacted for a booking. Now, I view it like you're applying for a job or you're looking to work with somebody, so you're trying to establish trust and an understanding that you're a professional. But if you hit somebody up, hey, yo, can I get booked? Well, it, uh, to me, it's how you approach things. and If you approach it like you're just ship posting to somebody in messenger or you're sending a really haphazard form email or you get the company's name wrong because that is you know every fourth post or request someone will say capital with an a when they've actually emailed us and ol is in our email or on our facebook or on our social media like that to me is just like you're trying to. I understand some people can get that screwed up in their heads, but if you're trying to get a job here, you kind of need to focus on how you present yourself to a wrestler, up to a promoter, or to a booker, or to just anybody. Treat it like you're applying for a job.
0: You your your answer answered my promoter question. It answered my follow up question too. I think. What is your biggest pro wrestler pet peeve? I would say that's probably <laughs> it, right? Um, and then lastly, then you know, what is your biggest pro wrestling fan pet peeve? <sighs>
2: I think the fans should just enjoy themselves. Like we all love pro wrestling. Pro wrestling means a lot. Like pro wrestling gave me everything I have in my life. It saved my life. It gave me purpose. So uh, I get getting mad at things you don't like. I get vitriol. I get all of that. But I feel like we're such a reactionary generation of fans. We're just a, a reactionary generation of people that, The backlash to the backlash to the backlash does nobody any favors.
0: It's going down August 11th. Capital Wrestling, live from Nashville. Maddie, take us home here. What do you want to plug, promote, put over here about Capital Wrestling for all the fans that are listening?
2: All right, so Capital Wrestling comes to Nashville on August the 11th with Jack Swagger, Hall, and Nash. You can get your tickets at MarathonMusicWorks.com. That's MarathonMusicWorks.com. On top of that, Capital Wrestling presents its first ever live pay-per-view live at Skankfest, including Lewis J. Gomez versus Mike Harrington and Ari Shafir. That's right. Ari Shafir is the special guest referee. Also, you'll see Colossal Mike Law take on Homicide. You'll see amazing Fatal 4-Way featuring Jimmy Rave and Derange versus Colby Carino. You can pre-order that right now at tinyurl.com slash live at or go to the Fight app and tap that pre-order button. That's, Saturday, that's Thursday, July 11th at 8 p.m. On top of that, you can watch Capital Wrestling Television absolutely free. Every single Monday at 6 PM on the fight app. Every single Tuesday on twitch.tv slash Capital Wrestling. And every Wednesday on the Capital Wrestling YouTube and Facebook channels. And also available on demand on the Impact Plus app and nothing else on TV. That's Neo TV. Look it up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then also the social media machines. Follow Capital Wrestling at Facebook.com slash Capital Wrestling. Twitter.com slash Capital Wrestling. Leave off the last sheet for goodness and on Instagram. find Noir DM, that Capital Wrestler.
0: hey, thank you everybody very much for tuning in to the Winkly today. Thank you very much, Justin, for joining me at the top for the news. Thank you to D Brown and Capital Wrestling's Matthew Ryan. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow on the show. My interview on the show tomorrow is gonna be with uh, ESPN. Uh, broadcaster and former Jacksonville Jaguars player, Austin Lane. Uh, I met Austin in the scrums uh, at the uh, fight for the fighter fest uh, two weeks ago. He, uh, he had a little back and forth with Tony Khan, where Tony had mentioned that Austin had worked for him. And uh, I was like, you know what, what a great guy to talk to about what it's like to work for the cons. You know, what were your benefits like uh, working as a Jaguar, you know, and, uh, and everything in between. So I'm, I'm very excited to release this interview with you guys, hopefully to get some unique insight uh, in the world of the cons and, uh, you know, how did they treat their football players? What can be expected of the wrestlers? That kind of deal, you know?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great kit.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that'll be on tomorrow's show. Uh, if you like the show, go over to Wrestling Inc. Audio on iTunes. Go find us on YouTube. Subscribe. Five star ratings. Nice comments. Always appreciated. Uh, of course, I will be on site at Fight for the Fallen this Saturday night. Um, So follow our social media and our site for a lot of exclusive coverage uh, regarding that. Uh, We're also, of course, going to be covering Extreme Rules on Sunday night. We'll be doing a post show uh, for that after uh, over on our YouTube channel as well. Uh, And then that audio will be over on our iTunes channel. And, of course, uh, more pro wrestling because this weekend, of course, going head-to-head with Fight for the Fallout Evolves 10th anniversary show uh, on the WWE Network. That we're going to have coverage of over on the site. And on top of all of that... GCW is presenting their tribute to Homicide 5150 this Saturday as well. Uh, Since Homicide was recently a guest on the show, he was an incredible guest, by the way. If you haven't had a chance to go listen to the Homicide interview, go back a couple episodes and find that one. I was very proud of it. Uh, But we'll have coverage of that on the site as well. So four pay-per-views, one weekend, on-site. All around 360 coverage. Wrestling, I think that's your place to be. Justin, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show today?
1: I want to give a shout out to my friends, and I encourage all of you, type it in on your browser right now, WrestleRumble.com. WrestleRumble.com. It is a ton of fun. I always like uh, promoting them when we get around pay per views You go on, you make your predictions of who's going to win. They have some fun, like, over-unders of, you know, whether it's match time or number of this or, who you know, who's going to get the pinfall in the, in the Lacey Baron versus Seth. Becky and all that fun stuff. Uh, go on there and you can win up to five hundred bucks. Five hundred bucks is the top prize. There's other cash prizes. Uh, there's also some free stuff you can get for just just for signing up. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. WrestleRumble.com.
0: All right, and I am at WinkRebel over on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.